it's not just about like the NFT. It's not just about like the token, but um, it's sort of like an idea of like what new incentives can you provide for someone to use your app, um, for someone to move their body, right? And so I think like that's that's one really interesting um, aspect of crypto um, within wellness and fitness, right? Because it's like gamifying the experience. Welcome back to another episode of Everyday Endorphins. This week, I'm thrilled to have Parker J. Patrat come onto the podcast to discuss the intersection between wellness and Web 3.0. I know NFT week was a few weeks ago, but I feel like this episode is incredibly timely given that crypto and the blockchain and Bitcoin and NFTs are all really accelerating and it feels like this is kind of the future that we're all trending towards. Something that is really interesting to see is how wellness brands are tapping into this space and how they're utilizing the blockchain, the metaverse, NFTs to transform the wellness industry as we know it. Given that Parker is a Web3 crypto NFT connoisseur, I felt like she'd be the perfect person to come on to the podcast. Parker is a founding member of Boys Club, a social club in Dow welcoming the next 1 million women and non-binary individuals into Web3. She also wears a ton of hats in the crypto space, which we get into during this interview. So stay tuned for everything that Parker has to share and get excited to learn a little bit more about crypto, where Parker specifically sees the applications for wellness brands in Web 3.0 and how Boys Club is helping provide resources and access for women and non-binary individuals to become more educated about this space. Before we get into the interview, make sure to like, rate, and review this podcast on whichever listening platform you prefer. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, Parker. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Hi, Stella. Thanks so much for having me. I would love to start out with you kind of sharing with my community a little bit about yourself and how you found your way into crypto and Web 3.0. I mean, I know we we connected offline a little bit about like what you studied in school and how things kind of evolved and unfolded to where you are now. But if you could give a little summary for my listeners, you know, how you ended up kind of in this space. So I'm Parker. Um, By day, I'm head of community and on the investment team at FinTech Collective's DeFi Fund. Um, We're an early stage international VC um, located in New York um, and focused on crypto and FinTech. I'm also a founding member of Boys Club, which is a social club in Dow onboarding the next 1 million women and non-binary individuals into crypto. Um, But yeah, I definitely got in um, to this world, I guess, through a bit of an untraditional path. I've always been really interested in systems of power. So in my uni, I was studying a major called critical theory. Um, And what that is essentially is at its 
part um, it's an interrogation of systems of power. So a lot of people in my major go on to um, do uh, law or start their own nonprofit or maybe um, work for a nonprofit. Um, but while I was there and while I was studying critical theory, I started making a lot of connections between what I was studying and um, the transformative opportunity that I saw technology present um, to change and shape and reshape systems of power in our society for the better. So I started off my career as a product manager across a few startups, um, wanted to also get involved sort of on the other side of the table. So I started working with Innovis VC. They're a, an international early stage fund uh, focused on alternate proteins. So everything from like Beyond Meat to lab-grown meat. From there, um, came on as an intern at a, uh, at a fintech community and content startup called Fintech Today. I was doing a lot of research for them, writing for them, eventually came on as a product manager, um, and from there um, actually became their chief of staff. While I was working there, you know, I um, was really interested in fintech because I saw it as sort of this opportunity to redistribute uh, wealth and, and make sort of our financial system more equitable. But while I was there, I started learning more and more about crypto, and it had something it, crypto had been something that I was aware of for a while, um, but didn't really think that I was into. And it was only until I started really diving into the underlying technology, so like the blockchain itself, that I really had that light bulb moment um, and realized the transformative potential of um, crypto and blockchain for not just finance, but all kinds of different industries. Um, and that's when my interest really peaked. Um, so I... Uh, launched the first um, spinoff media arm of Fintech Today called Crypto Tonight. We ended up getting acquired by Workweek, um, which is when I joined um, Fintech Collective um, and most recently started working on Boys Club. That is a lot that you've done. And it's so fascinating to see the trajectory of what you studied in college. Critical theory sounds like such a cool major. It seems like a like fancy way to kind of say philosophy with like a different, you know, a few add-ons as well, which is really cool. Like I, I always find it fascinating to learn about what people studied in college because I feel like across the board, there are just so many cool combinations of like what people can study or like different names of majors. And it's always so interesting to see how those studies transfer into the working world and like how you can apply what you learn in a really non-traditional, unique way. And specifically within crypto, I know you you talked a little bit about how like the technology is really what started to pique your interest and in understanding like the underlying infrastructure of like what the blockchain is and you know what's powering like NFTs and then this whole crypto space. Like I've slightly you know read and dabbled a little bit in just trying to better understand like what the value is of this technology. I sent out some feelers with my listener community just around what they want to hear around crypto and, and understand about this space. So I think we should start there. Like, what is the technology in the most basic, like simple terms? Like, what is it that is the foundation to the blockchain? Like, why is it valuable? And how is this going to kind of become, I guess, the future of, you know, way the way that like, I think like fintech is moving towards and, you know, how we might re-engage with like currency. 
Yeah, great question. All of crypto is running basically on a, on a blockchain. Um, there are different types of blockchains that exist, but very simply, um, a blockchain is just an online record of transactions. They could be transactions for money, um, transactions for the movement of goods or exchanges and information. So basically, a blockchain is a growing set of records that are bunched together into blocks and linked together. I think a few important important characteristics to note here is that the blockchain is fully decentralized, um, meaning data um, and the way it's running are stored across nodes that are distributed. So um, all of the data stored on the blockchain is not owned by one central entity or person. Um, it's also immutable. So no one can go back into the blockchain and reorder anything or erase anything. Um, so that's like a very important um, factor as well. Um, and the third aspect is that it's transparent. So anyone can um, go online and explore the blockchain and see this record of transactions um, and like a timestamp of when they were made. There are many different things that a blockchain can be used for. To give you one example, blockchains could be a way to make supply chains much more efficient. Um, because it would allow us to track all kinds of shipments and the movement of goods and verify um, where those goods are going across, you know, international routes um, and when they've been delivered. They could also be used to increase speed and visibility in the public sector and governments um, or in insurance, making insurance more transparent with set conditions for payouts. Um, or even open data marketplaces um, where, um, you know, a blockchain could be used to create large open source platforms um, to exchange data anonymously. The crypto that, you know, we're talking about and that we're probably thinking about when we say crypto also runs on these blockchains. So um, all of the transactions made, all of the sort of quote unquote minting made. So when you when you purchase an NFT, right, and put it in your wallet, um, that's all viewable on the blockchain. And what it really offers us, I think, is not just a open, accessible um, sort of financial infrastructure, but also new means of organization, new means of communication, new means of value capture, um, for example, for artists and creators. That's a long-winded way of saying um, blockchain is essentially just a transparent, decentralized, immutable infrastructure for recording different kinds of transactions. So clearly there's a lot of purpose or a lot of different purposes behind the blockchain and there's a lot of ways that the blockchain can be used and implemented. I heard you say something about like decentralization and I know that you're developing the DAO with Boys Club and I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about like what a DAO is and also, you know, the role that the DAO plays in Boys Club and you know also what Boys Club is to your involvement there. Yeah, for sure. DAO stands for Decentralized Autonomous Organization. Um, a DAO is a member-owned community without centralized le leadership or membership um, or less centralized. Um, it's flatter than a traditional organization. And 
um, mobilized around a common goal, interest, or cause. Um, so one common characteristic of all DAOs, um, which you could think of as sort of like a community or a group chat, is that they have a shared treasury, right? So a shared pool of funds. Um, and members vote upon how those funds are used and utilized. I'd say the main differences between a DAO and a traditional organization is um, in a traditional organization or company, it's very um, there's a very strong hierarchy set in place. A DAO is usually flatter, so the power and decision-making power that each member has is more equal or gained in different ways. Um, so for example, um, a pretty traditional DAO structure would be that the more you contribute to the DAO, um, the more voting power or weight um, in your vote that you have. In a traditional organization or company, um, if voting is even allowed, votes are usually tallied internally or privately. Um, within a DAO, votes are tallied and tracked transparently and trustlessly, meaning there's no centralized intermediary necessary to um, pledge a vote or conduct a vote. And outcomes are often implemented immediately. Um, and that is done through what is called a smart contract, um, which runs on the Ethereum blockchain. And a smart contract is essentially just a few lines of code that uses an if-then function. So if this than this, right? So um, a good example of that could be, um, you know, if a vote passes through, um, then this um, aspect of the protocol within the DAO changes. I think a third uh, great example of um, a primary difference between a traditional organization and a DAO is um, that usually within a traditional organization, activity, especially decision-making activity, is private. Um, and limited to the public or limited to a few members of that company. Within a DAO, um, pretty much all activity is transparent and fully available um, to the public. So a few examples before I get into what Boys Club is of um, what a DAO uh, could look like. So a DAO could look like a charity where you accept donations from anyone in the world and vote upon um, where those donation where those funds are donated to. Um, it could look like a, um, a venture capital DAO, right, where um, members uh, pool their funds and um, vote on ventures to back, um, where the money repaid is later distributed um, amongst the DAO members, um, and decision-making power is more uh, equal amongst members. It could also look like Boys Club. Boys Club is a social club. Um, Basically, we are onboarding women and non-binary individuals into Web3, um, also just welcoming them in because our community has a lot of um, not just people who know nothing about crypto, but also people who have been in the space for a very long time and are very seasoned investors and founders. And so what we're trying to do is create a welcome space um, and reduce barriers to entry in three primary ways. Um, the first way that we're doing that is through in real life events. Um, we have hosted um, a couple different community events um, that have all been super successful. Our last one sold out, I think in like 15 minutes, it was like 100 tickets, which is amazing. Um, but at these events, we have a keynote. We bring in um, about four three or four women um, to sit on a panel and answer questions from the audience um, just about crypto. Um, and if you don't feel comfortable asking your question in person, you can also text it into our hotline. And then we have drinks, we hang out, we talk. Um, and at the end, we do like a really big dance party. 
Um, the second way that we're reducing barriers to entry is through um, taking a very playful and energized approach to educational content and crypto literacy. So what that means to us, um, you know, is there's a lot of technical terms in crypto. It can be very intimidating to break in. And we're trying to make crypto more accessible and um, just a little more fun, right? So um, we produce like TikToks, Reels, Instagram stories. Um, one really great one we did that I loved was um, if different tokens were reformation pieces. <laughs> I love that. That's so fun. Yeah. So really just trying to like make it fun, make it accessible, make it understandable. And the third way is just through our like Discord and community. So um, we're really building that out right now. We have about seven working guilds um, within our DAO, and those are essentially um, just different groups focused on different aspects of what what is needed to make Boys Club um, run. So onboarding, social media. Um, I'm leading the the DAO creation guild, which is tran- like transforming our community to a DAO, um, and so on. You know, I think it's great that the mission with Boys Club is to, you know, reduce those barriers to entry for like women and non-binary individuals to gain an understanding of like what's going on in the crypto space because it's so male dominated. And I think that is like pretty, it makes it kind of intimidating. Like I didn't know anything about NFTs until last summer. One of my male friends was telling me how his, one of his like really close friends invested in like one of Gary V's NFTs kind of way back when and <laughs> good thing he did at that time because now it's worth like so much money. Um, so he, you know, he, I guess maybe it's a combination of luck. I don't know. But, you know, he saw his friend uh, kind of, you know, invest in Gary V's NFT and starting to kind of dabble in crypto. And he's now starting his own NFT project, which is really, really cool. I think we can also kind of talk a little bit later about the, like what creators are getting out of it and like the value they're creating for community specifically within NFTs. But my friend kind of saw his friend do this and was like, I think I should start to invest in, in NFTs. So he got his hands on the World of Women project, which was also a great investment at the time because he was able to um, you know, sell it and buy another piece of artwork and um profit off of of that, which is pretty cool. And so we were talking a lot about it last summer and he encouraged me to do some research. And, um, you know, that led me to opening up like a MetaMask digital wallet and purchase Ethereum and dabble on OpenSea. And I also, I, I ended up getting an NFT, but I still have honestly no idea what I'm doing with the space. I think it's something you kind of just have to take slow and steady and um, just observe, you know, what's going on in that area. But I I think it's just great, you know, to your point earlier that Boys Club's mission is to kind of reduce that barrier to entry because, you know, although I'm so happy that my male friend was the one that kind of introduced me to it and was pushing my thinking around NFTs and like really engaged in that conversation with me, I wish I was having these conversations with my female friends. And I feel like that's there's such a lack of like conversation about crypto and like the blockchain and web3 amongst like the women community. So I I think what you guys are doing is awesome. Where should people start if they want to be a bit more educated around like the value of NFTs, web3? Where should they go to look for some resources? Great question. Um, so you can go to boysclub.vip slash learn. 
Um, we've created two educational roadmaps, um, one for people who are more crypto curious, one for people who are more crypto crypto comfortable. And there we'll walk you through step by step with videos um, on how to set up your crypto wallet, how to buy crypto, how to buy your first NFT. Um, I think something that's very important to emphasize is like in the process of learning about crypto, there's only so much reading you can do. I do think like reading is really important. Um, but until you actually start to sort of like get involved with being more hands-on, um, there's only so much that you'll really understand. But I will say other than that, um, you know, there's a there's a lot of great resources out there. So um, Bankless is like a really amazing uh, newsletter and podcast. Every Friday they have... Um, the Bankless Weekly Roll-Up podcast. And I'd recommend listening to that every Friday to stay up to date on crypto news, but also to sort of just learn about terms that you might not understand yet and sort of just research them. Um, actually, Kraken, which is a decentralized exchange, it's C-R-A-K-E-N. They have a lot of really great um, resources um, if you look up, you know, NFT, Kraken or whatever, like they have a lot of really great educational resources. And um, so does Gemini. Gemini. Gemini actually has this sort of um, crypto dictionary that you can look through. <laughs> um, and so you could like go on their website and sort of just scroll through this and explore. Um, but those are like sort of, I guess, the beginner resources I would recommend. I would definitely supplement like doing more hands-on sort of activities and actions um, with learning and reading and listening to podcasts and all of this, because I think that's the best way to really understand um, and start, you know, getting getting a little deeper in the space. Yeah, definitely. I agree. I feel like you can only do so much reading up about it until you actually kind of like immerse yourself, dive deep into it and actually like set up your digital wallet, like purchase Ethereum or another type of cryptocurrency, like actually buy an NFT or just like kind of testing it out so you can get a feel for like what it actually is. I think another area of, I don't, I don't know if like confusion is the right word, but I think a, a lot of people, especially um, people, I think maybe of like the older generation are like, well, what's the value of buying like digital artwork? Like what's the value of spending so much money on this NFT? You know, I don't understand. Like why, why would I waste my money on something that exists in the metaverse? Like why not have the physical item? And, you know, I think there's a lot we can talk about there because I personally am still trying to understand like the actual value that's created. However, when I do think about the way that like wellness brands are starting to engage with the metaverse and like the crypto space and NFTs. I'm starting to kind of see that there is a lot of value that can be captured and created. And, um, you know, it, it, it starts to make sense to me because the industry that like piques my interest the most is wellness. That's kind of like the avenue that I want to go down to better understand the crypto space. But in general, you know, like how how would you describe to people who are maybe like hesitant to get into the whole crypto space, like the value that is actually provided around um, NFTs and purchasing cryptocurrency? So you mentioned NFTs specifically. I can definitely speak to that. But I think 
What's more important to emphasize first is that there are so many different access points into crypto beyond just NFTs or tokens, right? Like I said before, um, blockchain and cryptocurrency are kind of enabling new means of ownership, new means of social organization, which we're seeing in DAOs, um, NFTs, like you mentioned, um, decentralized finance, which is um, you know making the financial system um, globally accessible to people who um, you know it was never available to before. Um, so it's so much more than just NFTs, right? Or flipping NFTs. Um, I personally am not into flipping NFTs. Um, I have a few NFTs that I love, um, some of which were gifts, some of which I purchased, um, but I'm not really in the NFT world to make money. Some people are, and that's totally great and fine and definitely a skill. I think, you know, what's, um, what's important to emphasize, like with NFTs in particular and where I think they're really valuable there's a lot of contestation about about you know maybe what the most valuable aspect of an NFT is. I think like what's most compelling and exciting and valuable in my opinion to me is um, that it allows creators to capture the true value of their work, right? So like in the traditional art market and art world, um, there's always an intermediary between artists or creators and their fans. Um, and that intermediary is usually a gallerist, an agent, whatever. Um, and they actually get like, you know, the majority of the um, of the revenue that an artist makes. But when um, an artist is, you know, producing their artwork, sharing their artwork through an NFT, um, you know, the, the way that this is structured allows for the removal of intermediaries. Um, so it allows for artists to more directly connect with their fans and actually capture the true value of their work, aka like get like the actual revenue that their that their work is generating versus having that revenue go to someone else. You know, there are other arguments I think that can be made about quote unquote utility NFTs. So, you know, maybe an NFT that you purchase that gives you membership into a club or a group, um, or that gives you some kind of um, benefit, um, you know, maybe more access. Um, if, if you're, if you love like Ariana Grande, maybe you purchase her NFT and you get to skip the line. Um, I have a great startup in my portfolio, Fuel, that's working on something like this right now. I think like the sort of fundamental basic the fundamental basics of crypto and blockchain, right? Which is, um, again, like decentralization, transparency. Um, these are allowing um, for the removal of intermediaries and bottlenecks and um, gatekeepers, right? That have been present, whether that's in the art world, whether that's in finance, and really allowing us to reimagine these systems and participate in them in new ways. Um, so that's what I would sort of say um, overarchingly is, I guess, like the, the value um, of this technology. As far as wellness, because I know earlier I mentioned that that is like one of my prim primary interests. And today, not only are we here to talk about Boys Club and just like the crypto space in general, but also how wellness is kind of folded into Web 3.0 and the metaverse. You know, I, I really want to hone in on how you've seen brands engage with the metaverse and crypto and Web 3.0? Like, what are we seeing wellness brands doing in this space? And how is the metaverse it like shaping the wellness industry and, and how people start to engage with their own wellness practices? 
That's a great question. Um, the metaverse, I can't speak on too much, but I can speak on um, a recent project uh, called Step N. Um, it's a move to earn um, application, I guess, or game on the Solana blockchain that's recently really taken off. Um, basically, um, it allows users to purchase a sneaker NFT and then to get crypto rewards from walking or jogging. Um, so you could really think of it as like Strava if it were like cryptoified. Um, and it grew to like over 300,000 daily active users in just a few months. And it's sort of um, kind of seen as this case study of like bringing new participants into crypto that might not before have been participants in it. Um, so I think that's one great example. Um, I think in terms of like brands in a larger sense, um, there's obviously a lot of a lot of like Web2 brands and just traditional brands that are kind of trying to pivot to to, to either using crypto or using NFTs or using the metaverse, whatever that even means in some way to stay relevant. I don't really know if that's even necessary, to be honest with you. Um, but I think we're definitely seeing that trend with like Adidas partnering with like Board Ape Yacht Club, for example. Um, I think Nike's doing some stuff. Um, I don't know how, you know, necessary this is. When I usually evaluate, you know, a crypto project, the first thing that I ask is like, does this need crypto at all? Um, if not, it doesn't really make sense for it to be there. But I think Stepin is a great example of like how, um, you know, I think that's like a pretty good actually um, use case of crypto um, within wellness and fitness, right? Because it's like gamifying the experience, right? So it's not just about like the NFT. It's not just about like the token, but um, it's sort of like an idea of like, what new incentives can you provide for someone to use your app, um, for someone to move their body, right? And so I think like that's that's one really interesting um, aspect. There's also like a few DAOs um, focused on the wellness space. Um, I can't remember the name of one right now, but like, you know, that's a, th that DAO is like allowing people to connect um, in new ways and share information in new ways and mobilize um, in new ways as well. But yeah, I'd love to hear, you know, if you have any specific examples in mind of like wellness brands or like initiatives that you've seen that you think are really strong um, in, in terms of uh, sort of intersecting wellness and, and crypto. From what I've seen mainly with wellness brands and Web 3.0 and, and metaverse, it's been primarily in the metaverse. So, you know, like Aloe Yoga, that company, they did like a wellness retreat thing in the metaverse. I, I saw an article about that. Uh, you know, I think Nike has metaverse sneakers. <laughs> uh, I mean, we see a lot of like luxury brands now entering the metaverse and I think like also as far as fitness and wellness brands, like Lululemon is trying to figure out like their strategy uh, to to go into the metaverse, um, you know, as, as they see like other competitors going there, uh, you know, I would assume so. I don't think they're currently in the metaverse right now or, or have tapped really into that space. But, you know, if Aloe's there and Nike, I'm sure Lulu's trying to get there and Athleta, you know, I, I feel like it's going to be this wave of like wellness intersecting with crypto and, and NFTs and the metaverse. I'm so curious to see like what the potential applications are for that. Earlier, we were talking more about like that specific use case with 
step in. But what do you think, you know, these brands could leverage by being in the metaverse? Like how could that add value to their pre-existing community? Yeah, it's funny because I was going to ask you a similar question. I mean, I think like, I think there are some really interesting ways, right, that these brands can use crypto. Um, Like I think, you know, if they were to each launch a token um, and to provide rewards in their token, like on a, for example, like linear or binary token vesting schedule, right? Where if you're, maybe if you're an Allo member, um, like for example, I have the Allo online like class account. So like if they launch their own token, they could do a vesting schedule where um, I lock up my tokens, right? On, on like a two-year time period, or maybe they have a treasury with a portion of the treasury reserved for this. Um, and if I log into my account, right, or complete X amount of classes or over X amount of classes, I invested like a higher amount of tokens, aka rewards, than someone who is in the bottom 20 percentile of logging in or doing classes. So I think that's a that would be, you know, um, a really interesting way for brands to sort of leverage crypto. Um, Overarchingly, what that really is, is just um, the ability to provide and create new incentive mechanisms for engagement and usage. Um, In terms of like Allo hosting a retreat in the metaverse, honestly, I'm kind of like, is that really necessary? Like, is this actually bringing value to people and do their users even want this? Um, I think that's another big challenge that they're going to face, right? Is like, even like with the idea that I just proposed of, um, you know, they, them launching their own token and doing this sort of binary or linear gradient token vesting schedule to reward their most active um, community members and users. Um, that would require onboarding all of these members, right, into how do you set up a wallet? Um, how do you mint maybe like an NFT, right? Or how do I get access to um, these funds? How do I send these funds from one wallet to another? Like it requires all this onboarding that um, I don't really know if they have capacity for. And my best sort of guess would be that um, most of their users or like total addressable market is not crypto native. Um, So yeah, my question for you is actually sort of going to be like, do you even think that, like, I, I see a lot of these sort of like Web2 brands reaching into crypto as almost like a, you know, they want to be a part of this new relevant thing. Um, I think what I think is more interesting than these sort of brands that have already existed trying to um, utilize this new technology to stay relevant is how um, people and participants in this new relevant technology that are interested in wellness are creating new things out of it, right? So like step in could be one example. Um, these wellness DAOs could be one example. Um, you know, maybe we'll see a DAO and maybe like wellness DAOs are already doing this, but where members, um, you know, are pooling their funds and then they vote upon um, like where they want to go um, if, if it's like a yoga DAO, like where they want to do their retreat, maybe what members they'd bring on, like all these things can be um, voted on using like governance tokens. Um, or like, for example, they could do like a wellness DAO where it's only for instructors, right? And it's like, if you're a fitness instructor, whether that's yoga, soul cycle, running, um, private coach, Pilates, whatever, you can join if you want to like learn other um 
learn other kinds of fitness or like just take classes from other instructors. And then you could vote on, um, you know, or sort of have a system where um, the more classes that you teach, the more tokens you get. Um, and the more decision-making power then therefore you have in like voting upon where your next retreat is going to be. So I think there's like a lot of, you know, just utilizing all of these new avenues, right, for ownership, for social organization, um, for the creation of new incentive mechanisms, right, for engagement and participation. Um, I think that's what really excites me. Um, and, and I think that would be the most sustainable connection um, to to wellness, right? To practices in wellness or to um, newer brands in wellness. But I don't think necessarily um, that the transition of web, web two, quote unquote, brands into web three um, is necessarily sustainable. Like we even have seen this with like Fendi. So like Fendi basically created their own branded ledger and like what a, what a ledger is, is essentially just like, it's also called like a, a cold wallet. Um, so it's basically like this little piece of metal, kind of like a hard drive where you can like store your crypto on. They created like a Fendi branded ledger, um, which like sounds pretty cool, but everyone in crypto is sort of like, what? Like, this makes no sense because if you actually have enough crypto, like usually when you're moving your funds onto a ledger, you have like a ton of money. Um, or NFTs worth like a ton of money. And so you don't want to advertise the entire world that you have this like ledger with a bunch of crypto on it, right? So um, like branding a ledger with Fendi and sort of advertising it as like, you can put this on your purse. Like you wouldn't want to do that because that's kind of actually like a threat vector um, to getting hacked or like getting kidnapped or, you know, crazy stuff happens in this world. Um, but like, I think that's ex an example of like a brand not really being informed just sort of on like the basic practice of like what they're trying to like apply their branding to and how it's actually used. And, um, you know, in that sense, it's not very sustainable. And, and, and then again, I think there's this whole question of like, even if the idea is good, even if it works or resonates, like how are they going to onboard like the majority of their current users and fan base and community members who are probably not crypto native. Right. Um, and really, you know, Set, like getting each individual allo member or allo user allo buyer to set up a crypto wallet is hard and then you're going to need like a customer support team for that right so um i think there's a lot of like questions um about that i think like one really um one really great person like tackling this issue though is um a company called serotonin they're like a they're kind of like a crypto marketing consultancy specifically helping web two brands transition to web three so like, i think that's pretty cool but um i do wonder about the sort of like onboarding aspect of all of this these are such great points that you bring up and i would honestly i would agree with your your perspective on well you know <laughs> do do brands like aloe really need to like meditate in the metaverse probably not i mean there's like you, you mentioned earlier, there's just tons of other potential applications that these wellness brands could utilize to create more value for their community and actually like bolster their members' wellness practices um, like beyond just kind of clicking into Roblox. And I believe that's what it's called. Yeah, Roblox and um, sitting down like to do a guided meditation in the metaverse. I mean, I think also people who are maybe, you know, anti 
NFTs, Metaverse, Web 3.0 or are more hesitant to, you know, this space, I think there the argument there might be, you know, are we just going to be in VR headsets for the rest of our lives? Like, are we just going to be completely digital, virtual living? And, uh, you know, I would hope that's not like where we we trend towards. And I, I honestly don't think that's what it's going to be because I can't imagine like completely living our lives like glued to like a VR headset or not being in like the physical reality reality in which we're in. But, you know, again, it's like, well, what do people really want to sit down and like meditate in some virtual setting? Like, sure, it could be cool for, you know, a one-time try, but I, I think that that's not really where like the value fully lies within, um, you know, accessing the Web3 space specifically for wellness brands. Uh, so I, I agree with the points that you made. And I think that, you know, you offered some really interesting applications for how these brands could actually use Web3 to their benefit and, and create more value for their community. So clearly there's a lot of opportunity within this space for wellness brands to create more value. And I think it also allows us to kind of re-engage with our own wellness practices as well. I totally agree. I mean, I think there's definitely like certain practices or activities that the metaverse or like a VR kind of world could really be utilized for in like a desirable way. But I completely agree. Like, I don't think that necessarily we're going to be like living in the metaverse. Again, like I think like we're not even really at a point where we can ask those questions. Um, I think like one one thing that I've been thinking about a lot and that I think is a problem that needs to be solved before we can even really begin asking these questions is like interoperability in the metaverse, right? Because there's all of these different metaverse platforms that exist. Um, but if we actually believe that the metaverse is going to be like dominant or that we can really develop things in it, um, we're going to either need to have one basically like monopolized metaverse platform or a bunch of different metaverses that are interoperable aka you can kind of like move between them easily and like move in-game assets or in-game items between them or in-game currency between them and um i don't know of any like bridges that exist for that yet so you know where i think personally i think we're really far out from like a lot of metaverse development but i'm also not super deep in that um sector of the space but yeah, totally agree. Like, I don't think we're necessarily going to be wanting to have like a VR headset on all the time. And, you know, even with Oculus, like, you know, Oculus was not as successful as everyone thought it was going to be. And there's still a lot of problems with VR. Like, um, you know, a lot of people get like motion sickness or just sick from from using VR. And that's um, still like a problem that needs to be solved. So um, definitely like if, if VR and the metaverse is to scale that, that's like one low hanging fruit. I don't even want to say low hanging because actually researchers have been trying to solve for that problem for a while and haven't. So, um, but that's like definitely, you know, just sort of like a practical issue that would need to be solved for first. Right. And with VR in particular, I mean, I, I have the Oculus and I've used it twice since getting it probably like in October and it's May now you know, the time that we're recording this. So, you know, at first it's like, ooh, this shiny, fancy new object, like what's VR? What's metaverse? What's this? What's that? And it's like exciting and novel. 
and then like I tried it and it was fun, but it was like not like sustainable. Like I didn't see a way for like VR to be integrated in my life, at least not yet. I mean, who knows? <laughs> I feel like when the iPhone first came out to the market, like we had no idea back then how it would kind of like transform our lives and how like, you know, social media is a form of like social currency now. And it's just so culturally relevant. Like, you know, it's it, it's hard for me to sit here now and make these statements or predictions about VR and the metaverse for the future when honestly, like I have no idea what's going to come of it. But to my point earlier, like, you know, I think VR compared to kind of what we were talking about before around like other use cases and, and value for brands to engage with um, Web 3.0, it's uh, there, there's, it seems like there's greater value, you know, in the, um, like, it seems like there's there's more value for these brands and companies around like creating something rather than just kind of like diving straight into the metaverse. But, you know, you, you've provided so many great perspectives today. And I think it's kind of goes to show like this topic in particular, like there's always more um, to learn and there's always going to be a, uh, more to research and so great to be connected to boys club and utilize that um, social club as a way to kind of inform more of your knowledge around what's going on in this space. So I would encourage my listeners to definitely check out Boys Club. And, um, you know, if you're interested in learning more, definitely sign up to, you know, to be a part of the community. Um, and don't feel discouraged if you feel like you don't know where to start because Boys Club provides so many great resources. I, you know, I'm happy to, you know, join the community now and follow along on Instagram. And I think, you know, what you guys are doing is so great. I want to switch gears a little bit and ask you some questions just around your own experience with with wellness and, and mental health. What I talk a lot about on this podcast is healthy practices and habits and things that you incorporate in your day-to-day that uh, bring you a sense of joy and purpose. So what are some practices that you are like a must-have in your routine around wellness and taking care of your physical and mental well-being? I mean, a lot of things come to mind. Um, I am like plant-based, which is great. But I think like something that I've been thinking about a lot more recently is just um, respecting, I guess, my own wants and needs, like being really comfortable having alone time. And I'm, like, a very, very extroverted person. Like, I talk to people all day. That's part of my job. Um, But definitely, like, taking that time for myself. And I think I see a lot of people that maybe go out or, like, hang out with people just because they don't want to be alone. But, like, when they don't actually enjoy hanging out with those people that they're hanging out with. So I think, like, for me, it's really important to just be cognizant of who I spend my time with and really spend um, you know, like 70% of my social time with like the top, like the top, like 30% or 20% of friends and people in my life. Sleep is super important. Um, so I've been just like developing more of like my bedtime routine and doing candles and incense and a bath. And like, that's really nice. Um, also Pilates I love, which you were just talking about before, we hopped on here, um, but I've been doing a lot of Pilates. I love how um, how much I have to focus during it, actually. Like, I can't just sort of tune out because um, it requires so much um, so much balance and strength. 
Um, and I can feel my body like getting stronger from it after just doing it for like a month consistently. What's essential to wellness for me is not just a diet or a workout routine or a bedtime routine or whatever. It's it's really like respecting my own wants and needs and being able to communicate that clearly. So like communicating my boundaries, communicating my expectations, like asking for what I want or stating what I want just explicitly and clearly and not feeling awkward about that. That has alone has just gotten me really far in life because um, it's like an asymmetric bet. Um, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Someone's going to say no. Um, but if you don't ask, it's already a no. That's a great perspective to have. And, you know, I totally resonate with your point. Like, I feel like a lot of people will just, yeah, hang out with people that they don't necessarily like care to be around. It's just because of like, there's that fear of just being alone. And, you know, I've started to really like value my alone time. I think I've always really enjoyed that. Growing up as an only child, I've just been alone because I've never had siblings. So it was either just, you know, me by myself or like with my parents or with friends. But I think just being an only child, like I've always liked my alone time and I've started to value it even more so now as a young adult, uh, especially just because life can <laughs> come at you at a million miles an hour. And you it's important to find that time to decompress. And, you know, I think that solitude and that alone time actually can like really energize you than just being around people that drain you or just to be around people for the sake of being around others. So I think that's a really valuable life skill to have. And I'm so glad that you bring that up. My final question for you, Parker, and I know we kind of touched on it a little bit, but you know, it's something that I ask every guest that comes onto the podcast. What is something that just brings you a bit of endorphins every single day? Definitely hanging out with my dog or it's actually my flatmate's dog but Kiko um she's a mini Bernadoodle and I, I'm like obsessed with her and like I I've never really had my own dog before so um I actually like recently recently moved and like Kiko's recently in my life and um you know at first I was sort of like I, she's so cute and I love her but like I don't get how to interact with dogs and now I feel like I do and we've really bonded and like when I'm like taking a shower or a bath she'll like she'll like sit next to the like tub and like when I get in bed she like jumps into bed with me and she has this like tiny furry body and she's so cute and um she's actually like at boarding school right now but like um it's funny because she's always so excited when she, when she, when I get home and like jumps on me and like licks me and stuff um and sometimes it's just kind of a lot but like now that she's like at boarding school I, I keep like being out and I like think to myself like oh my god I can't wait to like hang out with Kiko when I'm home and like see Kiko and then I'm like oh she's not here like oh um but she'll be back soon so um definitely hanging out with her and like spending time with her and it's also like being around her and hanging out with her and playing with her similarly to sort of like playing with a child like it just forces you to be very present um, and that's definitely really nice. Animals bring so much joy. Puppies are so sweet. I love dogs and I, I think they're just like the easiest way to, to have a little bit of happiness in your day. Sometimes my friends and I will like organize, uh, after work, uh, walk to Madison, um, 
Madison Square Park and like go to the dog park just to see the dogs. Um, so, you know, I wish I had a puppy, but I don't. So I'll have to just free ride off of other people's dogs. But I love that answer. And I am just so thankful for having you come onto the podcast. I really feel like I've been informed about Web3 and crypto and blockchain. And, you know, it's it's just so fascinating to kind of talk through the potential applications for um, this space with also wellness. So thank you again for coming onto the podcast. Everyone should definitely go check out Boys Club. What's the Instagram handle? Any resources you can direct my listeners to? And also, where can they find you on social media? Yeah, um, our Insta is boysclub.eth. That's boysclub.eth. It's really funny. It's really good content. And I promise you won't be disappointed. So definitely check it out. Our Twitter is at Boys Club Crypto. Um, our website is boysclub.vip. Um, and then everywhere on social media, if I have um, the social media, um, I'm at Parker, which is P-A-R-K-E-R, and then J-A-Y-P, so Parker J-P on Twitter, um, Instagram, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. But um, Stella, this was like such a great conversation so energizing so thought-provoking and um you know i really appreciate you having me on and like being open so open to learning about this stuff too and clearly like you're just such a like deep thinker and critical thinker and um i really admire like what you're doing with everyday endorphins and it sounds like you have an amazing community excited to be a part of it as well um and just really appreciate your time um, your time and attentiveness and amazing thoughtful questions. So thank you so much. Thank you. That is so kind. I am so glad we got to connect and I am very excited to, you know, I feel now empowered and I hope my listeners do as well to, um, you know, checking out some of those resources on Boys Club and also just engaging in that conversation with your friends and your communities. Um, you know, if it feels intimidating, take a deep breath and like know that there's a lot of accessible resources and content out there and that knowledge is power and you know putting it into practice is also powerful like actually getting your hands dirty and like going out there and like trying to figure out well, like what does it look like what does it feel like to purchase some ethereum and to you know purchase an NFT if that's what you're interested in. So I think, um, you know, what you guys are doing is so great. So happy to have you as a part of my community now. So thank you again so much, Parker. This was wonderful. Totally. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And remember to like, rate, and review this podcast on whichever listening platform you prefer. Don't forget to keep spreading endorphins and find things that bring you endorphins every day. See you next time.